Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. It's nice to see all of you here. I hope Christmas was treating you well. Interesting time that we're going through in this 2020. And uh, this actually is the first time that I have preached since uh, August 2019. So it's been a while. Right, since the first service. But you online wouldn't know that, and the new, the people who have joined us. So before the first service, I hadn't, hadn't spoke since August of 2019. So I'm not sure if I had said something that I shouldn't have the last time. I might have put my foot in my mouth. So you might want to go back and check that message out. It might have been a gooder. I mean, there, there might have been something that I had said that I shouldn't have. And I do have a tendency to stick my foot in my mouth. My wife has, um, has experienced this for many years as I try to compliment her and end up actually doing the opposite. <laughs> and uh, I, I promise that it's honest. I'm, I'm trying my best to, uh, to say something nice, but it doesn't always come out that way. So anyways, uh, I'm just joking. I have had opportunities to preach since then, but it just hadn't worked out. And it might also be the fact that we have a number of people that are joining on to preach, which is, is great. Um, and in this series in particular, we've had uh, a couple of Kents preach, which has been great. And I also want to take the opportunity just to mention um, about um, how Carlisle, actually, the, the progress I've seen in his life is, is phenomenal. There was a time when he couldn't even read a Bible verse in, small, in front of a small group, let alone preach two, two times on a Sunday in front of a couple of large groups. So um, uh, let me just pause to say that what, uh, an, what an, an, an excellent example of the transformative power of the Holy Spirit that's happened in him. Ever since the Lord told him to preach, he's taken every opportunity to do that. And uh, I think that each one of us can, can see that there are things that the Lord might be asking us to do that we've dug our heels in. And uh, it's probably time for you to start doing those things. So good job, Carlisle. Good job, Elder Kent. Um, anyways, God's transformative power is one of the most incredible things in existence. And uh, so anyways, I'm, I'm back up here making myself a willing vessel this morning. So let's just take the opportunity to, uh, to pray as I get started. Heavenly Father, we pray that your, your spirit would fill this room, Lord. We thank you for your transformative power that exists in each one of us, Lord. I pray that uh, as, as I speak this morning, Lord, that there would be something that would come straight from your heart for each one that's in here. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your willingness to always be pursuing us. Would you, would you speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on in the Tell It series today, and actually we're wrapping it up today. This is the last one. And today we're talking about joy and peace. And so joy and peace are kind of like twins. Um, if there's one of them there, the other one's most likely there. And if, if you only see one of them, the other one's probably not far off. They're, they're, um, they're two things that are almost always evident together. Um, we don't see joy without peace and neither peace without joy. I'm not sure about you, but these are two things that I personally have found that I have to uh, continually be working at to have. Um, but I'm fairly certain that that was never at all God's intention of, of how it should be. And so we're going to take a close look at them today. Joy and peace. Uh, what are they? How do we get them? 
and how do we tell it? How do we tell the world about joy and peace? So number one, joy and peace, what are they? What are they? So these words um, end up coming up more frequently this time of the year than any other time of the year, just because of um, the Christmas story is, is full of these words. Good news of great joy, peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. And we kind of know what they mean, especially for those of us who've been in the church for a while, but just for clarity, let's define them. Um, so, like, you know, joy is kind of like happiness, I guess, and peace is kind of like being relaxed. And, you know, that it's just kind of like there's some ideas about what these words would mean that aren't necessarily completely true. So let's look at them. So in the English dictionary, this is how joy is defined. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, delight. The expression or exhibition of such emotion, gaiety, a state of happiness or felicity, bliss, a source or cause of delight. And, uh, and then I want to move on to the Greek definition, which would be more applicable as we're talking about biblical um, principles. And uh, so the Greek word for the word joy is... Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to say this right. I think you need to say it like this. Okay? It landed better in the first service, I promise. Let's all do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, good. I don't think that's actually the way you're supposed to pronounce it, but that's how we're going to do it this morning. And that is a Greek word meaning gladness. Um, state of rejoicing, happiness, reason for gladness. I personally also find it helpful to look at the antonyms of a word. Um, it seems like the opposites kind of allow me to better understand what, what things are not. And so the antonyms of joy are misery, despair, and hopeless. And simply put in the modern vernacular, joy is the opposite of depression which is something that is fairly rampant in our society, maybe even um, more so in the, in the current state of uh, our society. Joy is the opposite of depression. So let's move on to peace. Uh, peace, as defined by the English dictionary, is a state of tranquility or quiet, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, um, harmony in personal relations. And then moving on to the Greek uh, dictionary. The Greek word for peace is erene, erene, meaning harmony, tranquility, welfare, health, freedom from worries. And the antonyms of peace are distress, anguish, affliction, and worry. Simply put, in the modern vernacular, peace is the opposite of anxiety. So joy and peace are the opposite of anxiety and depression. So in my opinion, these are two things that we should be taking a, a good look at because uh, anxiety and depression are two things that are absolutely plaguing our society these days. Um, some might argue that maybe it's the leading cause of, uh, of health problems. Stress um, is, is one of the leading causes of, of health problems and, and, uh, and it's closely related to anxiety and depression. If you're a believer, you might already know that joy and peace are a couple of the fruits of the Spirit, and they're listed in Galatians 5. And so, how do we get joy and peace? Well, if, 
if you want to get something, the very first step is to figure out where you can find it. Um, you want to know where it comes from. If you want fresh vegetables, you want to know that you can go to the grocery store and find them there. If you want tools, you want to know that you need to go to a hardware store. If you want clothes, you want to know that you can find them at a clothing store. The first step to getting something is knowing where it can be found. Joy and peace are two commodities that are becoming increasingly more difficult to find these days, mostly because not many places stock it anymore. It's not kept on the shelves anymore. Maybe some people don't even find them to be things of importance anymore. Um, they're harder to find. They're becoming something that you have to search a little harder to find, something that maybe you have to go directly to the manufacturer to find, which is a good thing because the truth is, is that the manufacture of joy and peace hasn't changed for over 2,000 years. It comes from the same place. And so I'm going to read for you starting in Luke 2 in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And we're going to continue reading, but I just want to pause there for a second and just look at the context in which this good news of great joy was being brought into. Um, we may, in, in today's... Um, in, in the situations we're finding ourselves in today, um, we may be finding a, a unique set of challenges. But during the time when, when Jesus was coming down to earth, the Israelites hadn't heard from God in over 400 years. And some of you might feel like you're not hearing from God, and maybe you've never, you feel like you've never heard from God or you haven't heard from Him for a while. But the truth is, is that His Spirit is actually constantly speaking to us. And if we would quiet our souls and we quiet all the, the, um, the things that are going on in our minds, if we take the time to, you know, pause even for a few minutes, we could probably hear what he's saying to us. But the, the reality of, for the Israelites is that God hadn't spoke to them in over 400 years. And that means that he actually hadn't spoke to them in over 400 years. We simply have no way to identify with that type of reality. We have no idea how, how saturated the world had become with things like violence and slavery and oppression and suffering and injustice. So what was this quote-unquote good news? Let's continue on in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What joy, what kind of joy would have filled God's people's hearts when they, they'd heard that the Messiah, their, their Savior, they've been waiting for, for for hundreds of years had finally come? He'd come to save them from all that was against them. The, they were oppressed by the Romans. They were under their heel. And, uh, and they were waiting for this Savior to come and to pull them out of this mess that they were in. And the truth is, is that when Jesus came, it came in a way that he came in a way that was not at all as they'd expected. And with this joy of a Savior coming, there also came peace, and, and, uh, which is summed up well in the life of of uh, one, name, one man named Simeon. And so I'm going to read for you a, a story of him starting in Luke 2.25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And let's pause there. So 
a little background information on Simeon. It's believed that at this time he was about 112 years old uh, when Jesus was born. And Luke used an interesting phrase to describe what Simeon was waiting for, the consolation of Israel. The Greek word translated here for consolation is periklesis, which means to bring comfort or solace. And it comes from the same root word as paraclete, which some of you might already know is a word that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit, which can be translated comforter or, or helper. And so let's continue on uh, in verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the, in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Simeon had finally laid his eyes on the Savior, and he could now depart in peace. Um, maybe even the first um, example we see of how Jesus' physical presence had brought peace to a man who'd been waiting his entire life to see it. The moment he saw Jesus, he knew that it was Jesus, he knew he was the Savior, and he was finally at peace. For Simeon, for all the people of Israel, and uh, of course, for the Gentiles of which we belong, and for every believer today. So how do we go about telling it? How do we go about telling the world about joy and peace? You can probably see around us that the world desperately needs joy and desperately needs peace. The bottom, the bottom line is that ultimately what the world actually needs is Jesus. Um, and with Jesus comes many things, a, a whole bunch of things that does he, does he bring to those that believe in him. But two important ones, and specifically ones we're talking about today, are joy and peace. Um, and the truth for, the, for those of us who believe is actually the very same thing. We need the source of life. We need the fruit of his spirit so that we can go out and tell the world about him. But how can we go and tell the world about his joy and his peace unless they're first evident in us? I think that many of us have felt this tension between wanting to tell others what Jesus has done for us and at the same time feeling unworthy because of our continued inadequacy. I know that I've often felt this way. I feel a lot of time like, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm not enough. And how can, how can the, the uh, results of Christ in me um, do anything to explain to anyone about how he can set them free? So this morning, I'll use myself as a case study on this topic for you. If you know me, um, it may have become evident to you that I do deal with um, some anxious tendencies. And truthfully, I think that some of those things actually are just the direct result of how I have been created and who I am. But the truth is, is that the, the Lord has said that he's not given me a spirit of anxiety, so I know that if, that if I get to the point where I am actually anxious, and the Bible says be anxious for nothing, then certainly that's not from God. And the enemy will use the, the, the way that I'm built, the way that I'm even gifted, to work against me. He takes things that are, that are good and, and, and tries to use them for evil. Um, 
but I know that God has not given me that spirit. And if anxiety is the opposite of peace, then how can I have the fruit of the spirit and also be anxious? Furthermore, how can I tell others about joy and peace while at the same time being burdened with anxiety? And so you might already know that I'm fairly open about my personal mental struggles, and I'm not saying by any stretch that I have mastered them, but I do have some insight. And my struggle is more with finding peace than it is with joy, but as I said before, the two of them, uh, where you find one, you often find the other, and if you don't find one, you often don't find the other as well. The same goes for the antonyms. Where you find anxiety, depression is not far away, and where you find depression, anxiety is not far, far away. But here's the difference between me and the unbeliever. The difference in who I am and the difference of, of someone that doesn't believe in Christ is that I, I know the source. I know the source of joy and I know the source of peace. I know where to go to find it. And in, the, in much the same way, um, if someone's looking for something at a store and they don't know where to find it, in much the same way, I have the innate ability to be able to point someone to where to find what they're looking for. That's the difference. And oftentimes I may be too proud or too stubborn or even too lazy, but when I get to the point of breaking, I know where to go. And uh, this, this analogy came to me, I'm sure, when I was a teenager, but just how Jesus if I'm hanging on a rope, at the bottom of my rope, there's a, there's a knot, and that's Jesus. And that's what helps me from sliding off the end of it. And I, I just can't imagine what it would be like to be someone that didn't, had, had never found Jesus. And when you get to the bottom of your rope, you don't have Jesus. I can't imagine what it would be like to not have him as the, as the firm foundation on which I can stand. And, uh, and if, if that's you and you don't know Jesus yet, I, I mean... Just to be completely transparent, I don't actually know how you're doing life. Because um, I, I know that I certainly couldn't without his help. Oftentimes, uh, when, I, when I get to the very bottom, I know where to go. And in this regard, this is the one thing that makes me different from the world. The truth is, is it is the only thing in this regard that makes me different. Is that I, I happen to know the source. I am, in fact, inadequate. And don't let me offend you this morning, but you are, in fact, inadequate. You're, you're just not enough. You don't have enough. You can never be enough. Without Christ, you just can't do it. There's no other way. The world around you is inadequate. But if you know where to go to get more joy and more peace, then all you need to do to help the world around you, is to be pointing the world constantly to the place where they can get more joy and more peace. Or maybe the first taste of joy, the first taste of peace that they've ever had. So let's wrap this up and, and just boil it down so, it's, so that it's obvious. Joy and peace, what are they? They are fruits of the Spirit. They are... Um, supernatural. They come straight from Jesus. And how do we get them? We need to go to the source, which is Jesus. And how do we tell it to others? We simply just need to point them to the source. I just want to close with a couple verses from 
uh, where Jesus promises his joy and his peace in closing. In John 15, starting in verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And then on to John 14, starting in verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Um, as I mentioned before, joy and peace are like twins. And in these, in these scriptures, the other word that comes up is, is, is love. And, uh, and where you find joy and peace, you always most certainly find love. And, and uh, I want to I tell you today, if you don't already know it, or maybe you haven't heard it for a while, or maybe you heard it even this morning or last Sunday, and you need to hear it again, the truth is, is that Jesus most certainly very much loves you. He loves you uh, with a depth that is, uh, is not found anywhere else in creation. He is for you. He has joy for you. He has peace for you. And he has a purpose for you. And the, and the purpose although sometimes it's cloudy and you're not really sure what that is, that just to simplify it as much as possible, your purpose is to go out and tell it to the world. So I'm just going to take the opportunity to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for um, your spirit. We thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you that, that there, are, there are gifts, there are fruits that are available for each one of us, Lord, and we pray that you would help each one of us to find it, Lord. I pray for those that are feeling inadequate, for those who are feeling far from you, Lord. I pray that you would help them to be able to find the joy and the peace that exists in your son, Jesus. As he came down to this earth, Lord, we thank you that he brought it for us. And we thank you for those of us that have found it. And we thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to, to go out and tell it to those who need it desperately. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.